0: Welcome to the EIM Global Podcast, the place where we speak to experts from across education, academia, and industry, so we can contribute to the professional conversations happening in our community now. The discussions we have and insights shared by guests help develop our own thinking and work, and hopefully spark further dialogue for other educators too, as they reflect on their practice and the students they work with. In this episode, we're speaking to Leanne Lavender, Leanne has a rich background in education, working in international schools on multiple continents. She is a digital storyteller, poet, coach, facilitator, and curriculum designer, now working with educators all over the world to develop service learning, global citizenship, and change maker ecosystems. Leanne is the service learning advisor for ASA, the Association of International Schools in Africa, and an associate of CBK Associates, founded by service learning pioneer Catherine Berger Kay. We pack a lot into this one, discussing what digital storytelling is, and how technology can actually be a humanizing force, how technology impacts the potential for student advocacy, and what schools can do to create opportunities for digital storytelling in their curricula. But enough from me. Let's hear from our guest today, Leanne. Leanne, welcome. Welcome. It's fab to be chatting to you today. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for asking me to be on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about our conversation today.
0: Yeah, really looking forward to getting into your expertise and thoughts on digital storytelling. But where where are you uh, coming to us from today?
1: Yeah. I am now located about two hours east of Toronto in Canada in a tiny little town called Trenton. And uh, we relocated to Canada last June after 15 years of teaching internationally. And so for now, we have repatriated and we're enjoying life back in Canada. And that's where I'm calling from today.
0: Fab. So international teaching background, at least for the last few years, whereabouts have you spent time?
1: Yeah, so the last six years before we moved back here, we were in Shanghai, China at Concordia International School, Shanghai. High. and at that school, I was wearing two hats. I've been an English teacher my whole, you know, professional teaching life, and have typically taught high school English, for, you know, grades nine through twelve. And I also have worn a service learning coordinator and coach hat in various places as well. And at Concordia, I wore both of those hats and filled two filled two positions. Before that, I was in Nairobi at the International School of Kenya, and before that, in Korea at taejeon Christian International School.
0: Wow, so I've been all over in that case.
1: Yeah, although there's always so many more places you want to go. Over.
0: I know that feeling, absolutely. For listeners that... You know, might not have had much experience with digital storytelling, might have some idea of what it is, but maybe no rich background in it. What, what is it to you? You know, what do you think of when you talk about digital storytelling? And uh, I'd love to know how you got involved in this area.
1: Oh, gosh, that's such a great question. And I love it because I do think that it is a term that sometimes when people hear it, they can feel a little intimidated because there is that question of like, what exactly is that? How do I do that? What does that look like? And in reality, digital storytelling is so simple. It is really the the art of storytelling which we know is an old and wonderful art in our human history one that helps us to see the truth in so many things about the human condition, one that brings people together. I mean, my goodness, storytelling is just such a key part of the fabric of what it means to be human and to understand the world around us. So digital storytelling just takes that idea of telling a story and turns it into a digital medium. So if you think about all of the ways that we communicate now with each other digitally, the articles, the blog articles, the different things we might write, the photographs we might take, the artwork that we might want to post online, the podcasts that we might want to produce, the videos that we might want to put together and design. All of these different things can be parts and elements of digital storytelling. It can even be things like infographics. If they tell a story, that can also be digital storytelling. So there's a ton of visual literacy involved with digital storytelling as well as just, you know, regular traditional literacy. But I love it because I have always been interested and passionate about storytelling. I started writing stories at a really young age and actually as a teenager started writing for a local newspaper. I grew up in rural Ontario where we had lots of really awesome weekly rural newspapers for you know different communities etc and I started working and writing stories then and then as an English teacher I've been involved with just loving and revering stories for so long and so in my teaching practice as my students became more and more adept, at navigating the digital world, I realized this is a space they love to be in. And how can we harness that in terms of their desire to both hear, share, and create stories, what does that look like? And I found that the more I was able to offer students choice in those in those areas, the more excited they were um, in terms of what they were doing in my English class, but also the more they could see the power of what they were doing as content creators, and especially as advocates if they wanted to take action in something related to service learning or global citizenship. So that's a little bit of background about how I got there, but it's really been a matter of experimenting and learning from the students along the way as well.
0: There's so much in there I'd like to, to dig in into. But I I think the point that you started off with, the fact that storytelling is such a fundamentally human exercise, you know, that runs right the way back through our history as as we're all aware. I think it's really interesting because, you know, we we so often think about technology or or we're told technology as a dehumanizing force in many ways. And yet what you're talking about by the sounds of it is, is actually leveraging All the the sort of multi-modality, I suppose, of today's technology, but actually in such a way that allows us to tell stories, something fundamentally human and therefore arguably done well, humanizing, I suppose. Would you... Would you agree with that sort of sentiment?
1: I would, because I think that I think our young people, our students, get this message all the time as well. Well, not all the time, but I think this message comes to them in certain ways, particularly perhaps in educational settings where we see technology as uh, as a tool, which it is definitely a tool, that's for sure. But I think that a lot of us, particularly maybe teachers of a certain age, I'm not sure if that holds true across the board, but I think that you know. The younger someone is, the more they may be comfortable as a digital native, right? And so I think that sometimes teachers kind of want to put technology in a box and say, okay, this, what we're doing with technology is good and useful. The rest of it is distracting and bad. You know what I mean? And so I think that sometimes students get that message. And I think it's a confusing one because I don't think they see technology as a dehumanizing force at all. I think they see it as a way that they authentically engage with the world around them. And I think that they see a lot of potential in everything that they're doing in a digital space. And so I think that, indeed, I've read uh, in a bunch of different articles that because of, of how we now communicate in so many varied ways online, that this is really opening up a new golden age of storytelling in this regard. And so I think, absolutely, technology can be very humanizing the key i think in our in what we do as teachers is to help our students see the benefit in in switching from being passive consumers of what they do digitally speaking to content creators and very purposeful content creators and so it's that mind shift and i think it's a mind shift for teachers Perhaps even more so than it is for students in most situations. Um, so, how can we begin to view technology differently, um, and and what might that look like in our practice in terms of engaging our students and and again equipping them right for the world as it is and as it continues to be and evolve.
0: So true, isn't it? I think you know this idea of engagement, the reality of the lives that students are living today, you know, outside of their educational experiences and, and sometimes I think for some students the whiplash that they experience to some extent when they come into the academic sphere uh, and and probably the bemusement as to why their experiences feel so different you know why is it that they can't use and utilize the technologies that they use all day every day outside of the classroom suddenly in the classroom you know that's just a sort of strange thing for them to understand I suppose especially at the age of students that we work with you know often are but, but I love this idea that you, you touched on which I think is absolutely true that technology today not only is a humanizing force when used appropriately but actually it allows young people huge power for advocacy a huge reach that perhaps you know, realistically they never had previously, or at least going back, you know, some years just wasn't feasible. Whereas today, you know, we all know students can can jump on, whether it's a TikTok or make a YouTube video and, and publish something on a whole range of different sites and reach a huge audience. And I know that, that something else that's so important to you is, you know, this, this advocacy and service learning work and authenticity. And of course, it seems to me that it's an opportunity for students that these technologies now afford. Is that something that you weave into the, the the work that you do in that space?
1: Absolutely, yes, absolutely. In fact, I have. I think when I first started exploring digital storytelling, it was very much in that space that you've just articulated. Because I was teaching a course at the time called Global Development Studies, and I actually taught a, a version of this course over at two different schools over the course of like 11 years. And every year I found I was reinventing it because I wanted the course to be very interactive, very democratic, very much a space where we were co-creating together, me with the students. So I didn't want it to be teacher centered. I wanted it to be their, you know, their journey of trying to understand the world around them and then deciding, you know, how and, and when they would make change and what that might look like. And It was really about probably three or four years ago, as I started to explore digital storytelling and the idea of taking anything that my students were doing in that course and changing it, transforming it from being an inward facing thing to an outward facing thing. So, you know, instead of doing something traditional, like writing an essay or doing a presentation for their peers or doing something that would just be seen by me or by the people in the class saying, actually, no, wait a minute, we can take all of that, all of those products, we can turn them to outward facing things where again, we can be advocates and reach a, a bigger audience as you've just described. What might that look like? And as soon as I started to play with that, it was really interesting to me how much more real the work became to the students and how much more they cared about the quality of what they were producing because they knew it was for this real audience. And they knew that their work wouldn't be published if it wasn't at a certain quality, you know, and met a certain bar. And so they were really, really, really on the wagon with this like they thought it was really interesting I could see the impact in terms of the learning and the deep learning that occurred and so so authentic yes so I feel like that probably was the, you know, the kind of genesis for me for saying, how can I take this idea of storytelling and digital storytelling and really weave it in a foundational way into global citizenship and service learning? So that's been foundational for me. And I've been doing all kinds of spin-off work as well with digital storytelling and, and storytelling. But I think for me, it's really key as a tool and a frame for what happens in that global citizenship realm.
0: The phrase you've used there, the inward facing, you know, pivoting to outward facing is is such a a helpful way just to think about or least start to ask questions about the the things we're asking students to do in you know our our day-to-day learning design and just ask well where could we make that that change where could we Uh, appropriately make that sort of pivot to outward facing and what would that mean then for the learning because as you said the the potential engagement the potential motivation the potential sort of sense of authenticity about the work and as a teacher myself I've certainly had moments where students have asked me why are we doing this Uh which is which is a fair question you know for students to ask when you start especially when you get into that sort of co-design of learning space which you you mentioned as well so so important Mm -hmm. pushing on that a little further and, and that's a great example you've given us already and and you mentioned there as well being sort of future ready and and what schools, you know, can and perhaps need to be doing to prepare students for the way the world is changing and the world that they'll be going into. What else can schools do to ensure students have an opportunity to develop and and gain these skills? What, What does that look like across the school and the schools that you've worked with?
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's such a great question. And I think it looks so different in different schools and I think it's an evolving thing you know this this idea of evaluating these types of skills and and figuring out what that looks like in a in a school context in terms of what is the scope and sequence what does that look like K through 12 I don't think a lot of schools actually have mapped out digital literacies uh, probably as thoroughly as they need to do just in terms of thinking about You know, how can we be very purposeful in ensuring that our students know everything they need to know to navigate? online life and how can we make sure they're equipped I think sometimes we make a lot of assumptions about what our students know about the digital space and what they can do in the digital space and I think it would be it would behoove schools perhaps to take a step back and say how might we be more deliberate and purposeful in the ways that we train our students and and again to do so in an authentic engaging way one where the students see why they're learning these skills and and the impact that that's going to have on their life you know as they continue as learners. I think also it's really awesome if schools can begin to open up a little more creative and innovative space for some courses that maybe aren't quite so traditional because courses that are a little more outside the box allow a teacher to have a little bit more creativity in the way they might design a course and the outcomes that they might work towards with the students. And I feel like that. In, it, in and of itself can be very liberating for our, our teachers and our students alike. And maybe it gives people a bit more of a sense of confidence. Like I can try and fail in these ways. I can try and coach students in this area. I d- it doesn't have to be perfect. We're gonna learn together. And so I think that if we can have some courses where that's possible, then that also helps to foster this idea of, you know, for teachers saying, it's not only okay that I try this and, and work with this, and it's not just digital storytelling. Anything in that creative, innovative realm would fall into this, you know, same way of thinking, you know, that it's okay for me to pursue these things, but also that, you know, I'm not worried about some kind of, you know, external assessment or something coming up and, and being stressful at the end of the course. I've, I've got this course that falls outside the realm of some of those traditional experiences. And so I think it's nice if schools can allow a little bit of space like that as well, particularly for a middle middle and high school learners I think that that's really helpful.
0: I like this idea of uh, you know, modeling essentially you know t- teachers you know just trying something being willing to yeah, accept that it might not work out but that's a learning opportunity in itself and I think that's so true in my experience in the in the technology space as well you know the tools are changing all the time no sooner have you done some professional learning the next tool comes along or you know the tool that you've you've trained on suddenly evolves there's a, a new version and I think that can be quite off-putting for teachers that perhaps aren't immersed in those tools day to day and are teaching to you know, a curriculum with exam pressures at the end of it and those kinds of things. So yeah, really interesting point you make there about just trying to find opportunities for space in the curriculum to to allow that kind of exploration and the opportunities that that will afford uh, students themselves, I suppose, as part of that process. Mm -hmm. So so many interesting uh, ideas here, Leanne, fascinating stuff. We're sort of coming towards the end of our relatively short chat today, but, but I'd love to know you know with all the work that you're doing and the range of interests that, that you've shared today you know what are you working on now what what goals are you working towards you know over the next year or so
1: so many things because this is a list that keeps evolving and i and i'm getting so excited about it because in my own work right now with educators worldwide i am so inspired by so many things that are happening i think that there is a great sense that many educators have perhaps it's because of the lessons we've learned during covid and, you know, I think perhaps coming back into our schools as teachers and, and leaders are saying, Do we need to do everything the way we did it before? Is it maybe time for us to innovate and redesign and think about, you know, what does education look like for the future? And I'm a big fan of futures thinking and applying some of those models to education because I think education, sometimes it's a big ship, right? And it's hard to steer it in a new direction. And so I'm excited that there are lots of people out there who are, who are doing that. You know, they're dipping those paddles in and they're like, yes, let's try to get to that new horizon, even though we don't know exactly what it looks like. Um, So some things that I'm working on in this regard, I really want to develop some more uh, online courses. So I've developed a a short one, a four-week one on becoming a digital storyteller that I've been so excited about because it's a nice way for people to feel like they can get introduced to digital storytelling and try some things out and see what it looks like in their own educational practice. And that experience with the first course has really inspired me to think about the additional courses I want to design and build. I'm also really excited to build some more partnerships with some new schools to try some new models um, and just to really build my own continued learning around storytelling even though I have been an English teacher for decades and I love storytelling as I'm now doing this work and I'm doing a lot more non-fiction reading myself in terms of more of the mechanics of storytelling as opposed to the analysis of literature I am learning so much and I'm like oh my goodness I want to apply all of this new learning to to the things I'm creating but I also want to share it with so many people so my mind is constantly spinning with like oh okay so there's this idea there's that idea so lots of creative stuff on the horizon for the next year or two which is really fun
0: sounds great and, and I for one I'm excited about this idea of a golden age of, of storytelling that we're entering and there's just so many good and exciting platforms now that people are using to tell stories and share stories and, uh, and a democratization of that I think in a way that perhaps in the past It's been a bit more challenging. So super exciting times. Sounds like you've got a busy year ahead, Leanne. Um, For listeners who, you know, uh, would love to follow up or learn a little bit more about your work and and keep in touch, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, my website is really easy to remember because it's just leannelavender.com. And it's L-E-E-A-N-N-E, lavenderlikethecolor.com. So the easiest way is to go to my website and then connect with me there. I also do a bi-weekly newsletter that I send out to educators who join the mailing list as well. And what I do in that newsletter is I try to, every other week, have a really interesting blog post that might include an interview it might include links and resources it's definitely going to include an article that's themed around something related to global citizenship service learning and storytelling and sometimes a combination of all three at the same time and so um, if people want to hop on the mailing list and start to receive some resources that way then that's a great way I love to again in this space that I've now created for myself I want to be a creator who is helping educators who are busy in the classroom and so I'm I'm really trying to create things that I think will be useful to people who want to educate in these areas. And so that's probably the easiest way. I'm also on, of course, Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and those types of things as well. And all of that's on the website as well.
0: Well, We'll certainly put the website details and so on in the show notes so people can use those to, to reach out to you. But uh, Leanne, thank you so much for your time this morning. I think the work you're doing is is hugely important. Really excited to see you know where you go next in terms of applying that futures thinking to education. I'm with you. I think it's a really exciting, time. You know, huge opportunity for educators and those involved in education to really reflect on, you know, where we've been so far and, and the opportunities now ahead of us. That's certainly what we're we're looking to do with these kinds of conversations and podcasts across the AM community. So just can't thank you enough for your time and, and looking forward, hopefully, to a, a future conversation.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for this. I agree. I think this is such a nice, uh, like, kind of like quick intro conversation about digital storytelling. And uh, I kind of have the feeling we could sit and probably talk for about five hours about all of these things. But <laughs> that would definitely be too long for the podcast. So maybe down the road, we can have like a part two or three, which would be super fun. But thanks so much, Christian, for having me on today.
0: We'd love to, Leanne. Take care. Thanks. So that was Leanne Lavender talking to us about the importance of digital storytelling in education. Thank you, Leanne, for joining us on the podcast and sharing your rich experience and so many insights with us. Don't forget, you can follow up with Leanne via her website linked in the show notes. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one and don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.